Are you ready, kids? Aye, aye, Captain! Look at me, short. I'm the captain now. Welcome to the Supercoach Co-Captains Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Supercoach Co-Captains Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dano, and with me as always, we have Pato. Welcome, Pato. Hello, Dano. Hello, listeners. The uh, very tough year has finally come to an end, and to draw... Uh, to bring it all to a, a close we've got a very very special guest with us this week yep and that is Damo from the jock reynolds podcast not with the jock reynolds podcast anymore welcome Damo. thanks for having us guys uh dano pato it's nice to be here thanks for inviting me on yeah no luckers there um we're gonna get straight into the group weekly winner um who was that pato and who they have uh, it was Lloydie, very aptly, um, the legend himself. So sent us a huge shout-out uh, for getting, uh, uh, helping him, I should say, get a PB overall rank of 279. So great effort there, Lloydie. You did much better than I did this year. Um, but he had a massive 2,883 this week, which um, it's pretty fucking nutty, to be honest. Um he had everyone bar Will Day turn up in defence and had Sicily in there and Stuart, Jaden Short as a POD, and I'm sure he um, brought him in on my recommendation, so he's finally had a half-decent game for him. Um, Bont, Tom Green in midfield, Lockie Neal had a, had a nice big game, and Callum Mills, didn't that fucking come from nowhere? That was that was nice, nice um, as an owner, finally getting a good score out of him. Uh mm-hmm. Marshall and English in ruck. There's nothing sexy about that. Well, there's plenty sexy about that in scoring, but uh, it's not, it's very vanilla. Uh, Himmelberg up forward did did really well for him, Dano and um, Damo. That that's going to get me all night. Uh, <laughs> Butters as captain, um, which was a ripper, and I believe um, I mentioned Butters as a real nice smoky for a captain this week. So I don't know whether he did it because of me. Uh, I'm not going to take the chocolates because his team is far better than my team at the end of this year. <laughs> Yep, yep, uh, agreed, Pat. That was a fucking nutty-ass score. Um, but we've got to do our overall group winner and pretty much most, if not all, of the season, it has been our friend King Supercoach with the team, the Waddy Pod. He scored to finish the year 2,738 with an overall rank of 70. So shout-out to King. Uh, notably, uh, he had these players. So he had the fake primo Luke Ryan in defence, as Paddy <laughs> likes to call him. Uh, he had Jack Sinclair, Sicily with the 130. So he actually had quite a vanilla-looking back line there, Paddo. Moved to the mids. He had Bont, uh, Laird, big Andy Brayshaw with a 136. Caleb's wrong with the 140. His POD cover man, Georgie Hewitt with the 84. Still... Pumping out something good for him there. Uh, Rowan Marshall with the 154. Timmy English failed as a VC. And Connor Rosie was actually his captain um, with the 114. Lukey Jackson up forward uh, with the normal Dunkley, Cornelio, Goulden, and Taranto. So, yeah, huge sure, year for King. I'm sure yep. Damo gets a bit excited hearing so much purple in a, in a final team that finished 70. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, for. The Dockers found some p- players at the end of the year and found where the players should actually play as well. So, you know, that that helped. And a bit too late for making a charge. But, you know, the players, Luke Jackson, Hayden Young, Luke Ryan, all those players found a place. I don't think he had Hayden Young, but i just going to throw that in there anyway. 
maybe a a little uh, teaser of what's to come a bit later. Yep, yep. Um, Actually will be. So we will – I've just given something away there. So uh, we'll go on to the two league winners that we had. So we had our grand final. And in the Supercoach Co-Captains 20-person league, we had King of the Hill – uh, run by Duncan, scored 2,666, wasn't enough to beat Luke's team full of a Luke with 2,719. So shout out to Luke there for winning the 20-person league. And with the original Supercoach Co-Captains League, uh, we had Turkle Tones team, um, that's the team name, James runs that one, 2,632, defeating Responsibles run by Ross, 2,565. So well done to James and his team, Turkle Tones. Oh, there's a lot to get through there, Pato. I'm, I'm making a run next year. Of, uh, I'm going to win one of those next year. I just fell short of one. I bombed out in, what, the semi? Is that the oh, shit, man? I can't even oh, – round 23, I bombed out. Anyway, yeah. I bombed Pato out in about round 14. Yeah, fucking do better, Pato. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Alrighty. So we're gonna we're gonna start off with the biggest lesson of the year that we each learned. And I'm gonna start off with you, Damo, because you've got a ridiculously good voice for this podcast, so I'm gonna let you start first. I don't know about a good voice. Um <laughs> It might just be the audio system uh, making it sound better than it is. My biggest lesson for the year is actually um, I need to be more patient. Mm. I traded out players way too easily that probably could have been given another week. I let that extra six trades sort of play in my mind a bit. And before I knew it, those trades were gone because we were decimated with injuries early in the year as well. And maybe we should have, maybe we, I say we, maybe I should have traded my injured players out first because some players I actually decided to hold when maybe I shouldn't have. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm going to go on from there. And my biggest lesson learned was don't trade out an underperforming ruck. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because you'll go into a ruck trade merry-go-round. And I think we worked out, Pato, I burned about four or five trades just from trading Sean Darcy out to back in again. So, And then I had to trade him out later on in the season. So, yeah, I think just back your primos in and stick with them. If they get a long-term injury or an injury of, let's say, three-plus weeks, then, yeah, fair enough, trade them out. But, yeah, don't, don't just trade someone out when the first two to three weeks they've underperformed or they're going okay, they're just not living up to your high expectations. Thanks to injuries, I got caught in a ruck merry-go-round myself. Mm. I had Jared Witts and then he was out with his back injury for a couple of weeks. Traded him to Darcy Cameron the week he does his MCL. I did the same. And then I traded him to Toby Nankervis and then a week later Toby Nankervis does his MCL. So, you know, exactly. I yeah. had great fun there. Is that exactly the same as me, except trade out wits with Sean Darcy? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Pato, what's a lesson that you've learned? I, I'm going to feel, I'm going to seem like I'm copying here, but exactly what Damo said. And it's actually really interesting because I feel like there's no one way to play super coach. And a lot of times people will copy the winner from the previous year and their strategy and think that's going to be the way to win Supercoach that year. So last year when JP won, uh, he was very aggressive with his trades and it really 
paid off. And the year before that, when uh, Supercoach Mama won, she was a lot more patient with her trades and, and ended up taking the big prize. So I think, yeah, you've got to be patient. I think that's the biggest uh, lesson for me is just sticking fat. Like I traded out guys like Crips just before they hit form. <laughs> Jack Steele, who found some form in there when I didn't own him, Um just, just stuff like that where you're just having the patience and it's so easy to hit that T button on a Monday and just fall in love with a trade and end up doing it past past the uh, lockout. But just patience is the biggest thing because even, even non-injury-prone players got injured this year. You think of a Nick Dacos who has been playing high-level footy since he was 16 pretty much, playing VFL footy and, and just stuff like that. And you never know who's going to get injured. Um and we had a lot of ruck, uh, sorry, a lot of injury carnage to primos this year, and it, it causes America around sometimes when you're just flipping primos. Like I, I brought in Tuke Miller um, the week he got injured, and he, the bloke hadn't been injured for four or five years, and just one of those things. So I think, yeah, the patience is absolutely key, and trading out green dots can really backfire, and it killed me this year. Yeah. I know uh, Leck Dog, um, he. He went through the year with pretty much 30 green dots in his team most weeks because if he had green dots on his field and on his bench, he didn't trade. And at the end of the year, he was he had George Hewitt, Callum Mills, and I think Andy Brayshaw rotating between that final midfield position. And I was like, can you lend one to me? Because my team is dead. And, and it's funny because Lek Dog has historically been the guy that just jumps on trades and brings in pre, uh, PODs for the sake of bringing in PODs and bombing out early. And, and he had a ripping super coach the year this year. Yeah, for sure. He was really patient and he, and he favors the draft format more. So he, I think because he has that mindset, he wasn't so upset with a score of 80 for a couple of weeks. Like he was happy to accept it because he's, he's, he sees the bigger picture and sees the total points thing rather than rather than a three to five week average. I'm gonna pose a question to both of you blokes. So my thoughts are we we all jumped on at one point or another this season onto a fallen primo that hadn't actually proven to be scoring effectively yet. So let's say jumping on early on a Callum Mills when he hadn't cracked a hundred or uh, Jack Steele because he's looks like he's going to be at his lowest price. Do you think that the times have now changed where usually you would jump on those guys because you're like, oh, yeah, they'll beat their 75 break even? Do you think that that time has been and gone and we're in a new age where if those guys are there, we need to see at least one 100, if not two 100s? I think there's a little bit that goes into it where the player's age and position also comes into play. Like, um, just you used Jack, you used Jack Steele there for as an example. There was nothing to say that he wasn't going to replicate past seasons. The only thing that really stood out was new coach and coming back from a knee injury. And Ross Lyon coached teams don't generally dominate in the midfield unless you're Nat Fife. So I think that all the indicators were there to jump on a Jack Steele, age, position, the way he plays. But there was just, he took a while to get into it and then he didn't quite get into it the way that we would have hoped um, until late in the season. And then even then his scoring was still a little bit shaky. 
Yeah, I, I think the other thing is role, um, and it and it can be really hard because it's almost impossible to watch nine games of footy a weekend when you're not getting paid to watch those games. I, I look at a Bailey Dale, for example, and I brought him in at about round thirteen, and he and he scored great for for a while when Ed Richards and oh, they lost someone else as well, but. Once those guys started to come back, his scoring really went back to the guy that was averaging 90 before I brought him in. So I think it's just about nailing the role and the value as well. A lot of people jumped on Jordan Dawson early and had a bit of a rough middle patch of the year. And I brought him in when he was a bit lower, sort of under 600K, and that was a good trade-in. So it's, it, it's very much role and and value dependent for, for mine. Yep, yep. So, boys... Let's let's break down for 2024 discussion time. Let's break down each line and Pato wants us to do two must-haves, but I couldn't fucking reduce it down to two. So I'm going to say three must-haves from each line, um, maximum from each of us. So let's start in defence. So Damo, who do you, who are your must-haves for 2024 and why? I've got James Sicily as my D1. I don't care what he's priced at. He's going to be sitting in my D1 position when that team picker comes out. I think he's going to once again have a lot of ball coming his way, commanding that Hawthorne back line. And I think he will once again be one of the top defenders of the year. So I think price is no worries. My next one is Alex Witherden. With the retirement of Shannon Hearn, I think he's going to be the one that commands all of those kickouts and gets those extra stats just from doing that. And once again, with the way the Eagles are going to be next season and probably the season after for a little bit, um, there's going to be lots of ball down there for him to win. And I mentioned him earlier, Hayden Young. He's going to be a midfielder next season, but he's going to be defense in Supercoach. He's one who could genuinely average 110. Yep, don't mind them at all. Pato, who you got in defense? So Damo actually stole um, the three that were on my mind, but I'll try and give something different. I agree with the Witherden thing. I think him without uh, old man Hearn next year could push 100, 105 average next year and it'd be a great price. It'd be about 450 to 470K. So I think that's a really good starting pick there. Um, to go with someone different, and he won't necessarily be super cheap, um, I'm I'm going through Bryce Mitchell at the moment. If you don't, if you have Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it, um, and don't follow Bryce Mitchell, you need to. That guy is the goat. Um, absolutely incredible. Gives you price predictions. He's he's the mass man, and I am not. So I appreciate him a lot. So huge shout out to Bryce Mitchell. But I really like Harry Sheasel next year, and a lot of people were hesitant to start Nick Dacos this year this year because of the second year Blues, and he smashed that out of the water. He uh, was nuts this year, obviously, before getting injured and could well get himself a brown low after missing five the last five weeks, which is pretty nutty for a, a second-year player. And I think Harry Sheasel with um, Jack Zebel retiring, the, the, the numbers this year of Sheasel with and without Zebel are, are pretty crazy. And Bryce Mitchell predicts he'll start at about 550K, and I think that's pretty good value. So as long as Sheasel's obviously playing halfback, Next year, where there's nothing to suggest he won't be, uh, I really like him to go even another level on his 100 average this year and have a really big year. Yep, yep. I like how all of us have pretty much the same players except for maybe one. Um, so I, I'll i start off with the ones that have already been said. So Sheasel was one of mine um, with the average of 99.5. He should be priced at like 548K, which to be honest – 
people were hesitant with the day cost thing at the 520k mark, but under Clarko, he's an absolute fucking seagull, and I reckon he'll average even more. Um, I also had Hayden Young in there because um, he had a 106.8 five-round average, and as you know, Pato, I always like to look at the last five rounds that a player plays to try and judge whether they're going to have a massive breakout, and to me, that is hectic shit there. There should be about 517k enlisted as a, a defender, um, but my real big POD one that I've spoken about before is Wangani Malira. Um, he's 20 years old. I think he's going to have that third-year breakout. Yeah, it was about 85.1 average this year, and he'll be at 469k, so he'll be at a bit of an awkward price. But I just, yeah, I think he's going to be that guy next year that takes that next step. Maybe he averages 98. He might crack 100. I don't know, but he'll definitely improve on that 85.1. That's an interesting one. I, I actually owned Wanganem Malira in the back half of the year in AFL Fantasy and did really well in that format, but obviously pricing is quite a bit different. Are, are you not worried about Jack Sinclair down back there? No, not at all. Not at all. I reckon natural progression will happen with Wanganem Malira, and I think we will see Jack Sinclair get pushed into the middle a bit more like we did this year. And I reckon it'll be Wanganem Malira's kickouts, and they, they like the ball in his hands. He's a beautiful kick. Now, I've got a question for both of you. Yep. If Nick Dacos is a defender next year and starts at 640K, is that too much to spend? Oh. No. I think you have to pick him. Yeah. I agree. Going against him, just like I went against Team English this year and yeah. my season was over before um, <laughs> that even happened. So, um, yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think you've just got to lock him in. Um, you're going to get him in eventually. And, I mean, it may depend. If he plays Hawthorne round one, um, maybe that is enough to suggest not starting him. Nah. Uh, but if he doesn't play Hawthorne until round 16 or whatever it was this year, um, I think you start him and don't even ask questions. Pato, yeah, but- round one is the best time for him to play Hawthorne. Exactly. Because it, because it goes out of his rolling average by round two, by round three rather, when the prices start changing. True, yeah. If he plays Hawthorne in round two or three, that's when you should double – when should uh, second think it. Like you should think twice about it because I think I think you just pick him anyway because even against Hawthorne, it's not a given that Finn McGuinness will play. It feels like he was playing because – I don't think he adds any value to that team in an attacking sense. And once teams got got a roll on, there was no role for him. Like we saw against Fremantle, he went to Luke Ryan. Luke Ryan didn't care. He went to Caleb Sarong. Caleb Sarong didn't care. If he can't get into the head of the player that he's tagging, then he's useless. So I don't think he can get into the head of Nick Dacos that, that easily. And Nick Dacos will, will be ready for it this time. Wow, Fair point. So, it. yeah, 640K, lock him in. Yeah, yeah. We'll move to the midfielders now, boys. So, yeah, who are your three mids and why? Damo. Caleb Sarong, number one. He'll be about 600K. I think he's going to... I think he's going to pass Andy Brayshaw and become that uber primo for Fremantle, especially with Brody, Young, um, Brayshaw, O'Meara, Fife all around him. He's probably going to be the one least likely to cop a tag uh, next guy I have is Zach Butters. Uh, he's going to be about 610k. I think I think he's going to be once once again 
that big Uber Primo for Port Adelaide. Finally, they've got another one. He's he's going to be he's going to be massive next season. I think we're only scratching the surface of what he can do this season. And I really like Christian Petrarca's back end to the season. And I know that a lot of it was amplified by Clayton Oliver not being there, but he's been able to sustain it with his impact up forward. So I think that he's a, he's a little sneaky one that will probably go under the radar a bit to start the season next year. Yep, don't mind them at all. Pato, who you got? So I'm going to start off with two that you're both probably going to laugh and just say I haven't learned my lesson. But... Um, Mate, I'm just saying Barras isn't a midfielder. <laughs> Very true. Uh, first one um, is a discounted Sam Walsh. Obviously, a lot depends on role, and there's a lot of mouths to feed in that midfield, but he he scored about 120-odd, didn't he, on the weekend um, in his first game back, Dano? No, it was 90. So not, not, not great, um, but his price will be really attractive, and – I'll probably get sucked in. I reckon he'll be about 570K, which I think is a really good price for a guy with his sort of ceiling. Another one, and prepare for the cringe. Um, Callum Mills, I think, will be too cheap to ignore next year at about 480K. I know I sat through a lot of it this year, um, and I know I never learned my lessons, um, but I think the value there is going to be too... Too good to ignore, especially when you consider some some people that I think are non-negotiables for next year. Um, and the last one is, um, and a guy that I'm not even, I'm going to ignore his price, uh, Marcus Pontepelli. I'm not going to think twice about starting him unless Bevo gets fired and there's a bit of a question mark about a forward role. But if Pontepelli is playing midfield next year in preseason and Bevo's the coach. Uh, I'm going to just start him and lock away the key because he averaged 130. And I don't know, we said the similar with Rory Laird this year and it sort of backfired. But Bontempelli is a different beast to, to Laird and I think he's too good. He had one score under 100 all year, which is insane. So you're picking Callum Mills um, with or without a key defender acquired during the trade period? Well, aren't they getting Mackay? They could be getting a lot of players, but until it's done, I'm until it's done. I'm not picking Callum Mills purely because John Longmire loves to use Callum Mills down back when they're under siege. Mm. Yeah, a, a lot of water to, to pass under the bridge there. The the, the rumor is also Brody Grundy possibly going there or Port Adelaide. So. Yeah, and the tagging job is also a bit of a question mark there. Like I know he went to um, – he did tag in the fourth quarter of that game. He went to Petrarca um, and played a lot more accountable there. So I know the question mark – he's so cheap though. He's going to be so cheap. Yeah. Pato, you're going you're gonna to love one of mine. Um, I'll say the one that you've already said. I actually had Sam Walsh first, uh, priced at around 568K. Thank you to Bryce Mitchell. Uh Fallen primo, still young. Um, he was a lot of the time this season played at well, started at half forward flank, and then pushed into the midfield. So didn't get the CBAs, um, and then later on got the CBA. So I reckon he's underpriced severely. One hundred and three point two he averaged this year. So Sam Walsh is definitely going to be one of the ones that I look at as one of those fallen primo types. Um, the one that I think you might be interested. in, by me saying, Pato, is a bloke that I said in preseason I would strongly look at him in 2024, assuming that he makes 
the next step this year. And he almost made me think, holy shit, is he breaking out fully this year? And that's Matt Rowell. So he's had two full seasons now and two full pre-seasons under his belt. It'll be, what, his fifth year next year? I think it's his fifth year next year. Um, and he got 102.3 this year, and he should be priced at 563k. And I reckon under your man, he will absolutely excel. And it won't even surprise me if he ends up breaking a tackles record or some shit like that next year. Um, and the so third just, one... Just quickly oh, yeah. on that, Dono, that history suggests with in Dimmer's time with Richmond, we didn't really have Uber Primo super coach options. Um, even guys like Dusty, like... 2017 Dusty was like just a ridiculous individual season. And I think he only averaged sort of 105, 110. Yep, and that's still an improvement on Matt Rowell's 102.3. But one thing with Dimmer is he loves tackling teams, and Matt Rowell loves a tackle. And I think that shoulder's all right now. Everything's looking good. Two full pre-seasons. To me, in my head, he's like, okay, third-year breakout, even though it's his fifth year. And... Yeah, I, I can just see him excelling. Um, that third midfield spot, I was tossing up between two players and one was head and one was heart, and Pat already knows who the heart one is. But I'm going to go with a left fielder, so it's not Tom Green, but I want to see how Jai Newcomb goes in the preseason. You're probably like, what the fuck, Jai Newcomb? He averaged only 98.3 this year, but he's another breakout contender. His last five-round average was 110.6, and he should be priced at 541K. So he, to me, gives off LDU vibes um, for next year. So I would very much monitor his preseason um, and see how he goes. Hopefully they do at least two preseason games, probably not. But anyway, so yeah, some left fielders for you guys there. And Pat knows I love a good uh, breakout contender. So. I think- I think there'll be some interesting midfield options next year as well that lose DPP status. And, and we get quite a lot every year that just sort of bob up and they were popular as a DPP the previous year, but people don't really think about them. So I, I look at a Tim Taranto. Um, I look at a, a Connor Rosie. Uh, mm. I look at a Golden who has quietly had a ridiculous year who will all have mid-only status next year as, as guys that could be sneaky PODs next year. Well, Damo's already said one of them being Butters. So Butters yep, as well. That's another one. I think yep. Butters will be expensive though. Uh, sorry, popular because he may win a Brownlow. Nah, nah. If he, he wins a Brownlow, win. I'm not picking him. He's the Brownlow, yeah. The, the Brownlow rebound isn't good. Just ask Ollie Wines. Mm. He's one that could, that could be a cheap starting option next year, Ollie Wines. Don't, don't, Damo. <laughs> don't get don't. Damo started. <laughs> I've I was waiting for Ollie Wines to bounce back all this year. <laughs> I was waiting for the big like one forty game. I'm like, yes, he's back, baby. Didn't happen. If it comes out that he spent the year injured, it, it could be intriguing, but I'm not sure he'll even be the third option in that midfield with Butters and Rosie in there. Um I, I see on the on the X side interface there, um, trending in Australia, Bailey Smith. Now there's an interesting option. All the word is that he's all but done to Geelong. I think that's really interesting for next year. God damn and Hawthorne's also interested in him as, yes. as well. So he was one of my forward options that I didn't know whether he'd have forward status or not. I can't believe you guys found forward options. 
Oh, dude, I, I have some <laughs> forward options for you, but we'll go to the ruck line next. Forward line's going to be funky as shit, and I'm all for it. Anyway. Oh, fuck, man. Okay, ruck line. So, Damo, who you got? How many am I picking here? You can do two or three. Okay, I've only got two. Um, Tim English, no-brainer. If he can back up this season, he's he's a no-brainer. I'm just going to pick him at 700K. I don't care. And this is on the proviso that he gets traded. Brody Grundy will be about 470K to start next season. If he gets traded, I am picking him. No questions asked. Yep. Fair. Pato, who you got? Yeah, I feel like if Grundy goes to a Port Adelaide or something, he will probably have about 80% ownership in round one, and and rightfully so. I think in that scenario, Max Gorn is an interesting one, and he could almost be a POD, but at, at about 575K. Although, when you consider that Grundy would be a no-brainer at that price as the sole ruck, that would mean ignoring Tim English again. I'm not sure I can do that. I do want to throw another name out, and I've gone completely blank on the name, which is just – oh, I remember now. Uh, Sean Darcy, if he gets a Geelong trade, I think – He won't. You don't think he will? No, no oh. way. His family's come out. He's come out. His manager's come out. The Dockers have come out. His manager has come out. He's at Fremantle next season at the very least. Right. Because he's a Geelong said boy. You know who else said that? Adam Trelaw when he was at the Giants. Hey, all. <laughs> I'd, I'd be very surprised if Sean Darcy gets traded because if the Dockers trade Sean Darcy, they will then have to use whatever capital they get to pick up a, a pretty, you know, a pretty good key forward that could that can ruck. And knowing Fremantle and Geelong, it will go down right to the wire. And so the Dockers will say, no, nah, we've run out of time. Yeah. Okay, good point. So another one that I really like that will almost be a POD next year, Rowan Marshall, even though he's going to be 630K, I think people will overlook him because of English, because of Gorn, because of Grundy. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that happening. Now, I've just got the two rucks, and this is pretty much who I'm going to start next year because I don't care. I'm going to skip out on Tim English because fuck him. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm salty as old shit. Man didn't get injured when every other year he gets injured anyway. <laughs> no, and he'll get injured in round three next year. That's how it works. He can get fucked. Um, <laughs> asshole. Um, so, but next year, I'm going back to old faithful Gaundy. Brady Grundy, 86.2, projected, as you guys said, 475K. And Maxi Gorn, 104.5, projected 575K. Can I just say, in that 104.5, there was a zero. So his actual average, if you take that zero away, is 109.9. That is with Brody Grundy in the team for, what, a third of the, the two-thirds of the season? That's ridiculous. He scored 215 and 174 when... Grundy wasn't in the side. So, yeah, I, I don't care what anyone says. Even if he does 80% output on what he was doing without Grundy, he's still better than pretty much most of the comp. He's going to be hard to ignore. And I think you're going to have to weigh up. Do you go for Tim English and spend all that money because if he gets injured, you can then go to anyone? Or do you go for Max Gorn? And if Max Gorn gets injured, you have to sort of decide whether it's Sean Darcy or a Toby Nankervis or a Jared Witts that you, that you, that you flip to. And then you jump onto Dano's merry-go-round. Yeah, Dano and Dano's. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I'll do? 
I'll just find the extra 50-odd, 60-odd, whatever it is, K to go to Briggles. Oh, God. <laughs> Big kisser. I knew you would mention him. Uh, it's, it's actually messed up. He's going to be the second or third highest ruck. <laughs> Price ruck next year. Insane. Actually insane. Oh, move to the forward line, boys. Damo, let's list some forwards that you got your eye on or if you can even think of any. It's it's going to be really like slim pickings in the forward line. If Dylan Moore can back up what he's done in the back end of this season, I might think about him, but I don't feel great about it. Um, there's some rookies that I really like the look of if 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 they get a go at round one next season, like Braden George at the at at, at North. High draft picks at the year out with, with an ACL injury. He's supposed to be able to rip the competition apart a bit, like Christian Petrarca. Um, and if uh, and if Jackson Bins gets an opportunity at, at Carlton, he's been tearing apart the VFL. He's he's another one who I'll look at. Yeah, no, I've got no primos in my in in, in my on my shortlist at the moment for the forward line. Pato, who you got? So this will be fun next year, really fun. Um, I think I think the easy way out is mentioning Jack McRae if he maintains forward status, and I, I believe that he is on track to get forward status. And I think especially if Bailey Smith does move on, he may see a bit of an uptick in midfield minutes. I still wouldn't pick him. <laughs> really? No, no way. He averaged 100. I don't care. Um, an interesting one, and I don't think I could do it to myself because even in his prime, he wasn't a great super coach option. But Dustin Martin's enter the year was pretty nutty this year. But but there's a lot of variables there because of a new coach mm. and possibly a new system and probably going to get parked up forward and not have maybe as much rain as he did in the second half of the year. Probably my favorite player in the whole competition, um, Shay Bolton, I'm very tempted to start next year. Yeah, nice. Don't mind that. Um, I'll just go back to Damo's comments on rookies. There are actually some high draft picks that a lot of there's a lot of high draft picks that will be mid forward or just forward status in my opinion from this draft pool. You got guys like Jack Callanan, you got Colby McKercher, um, fuck even Harley Reid might get mid slash forward status because they did play him off a half forward a fair bit and rotate him through the middle. So there's three right there just and off the top. And there's some rookies that didn't get a go this year that mm. will also be forward eligible. That we Could we conceivably start a forward line of rookies? Yeah. Almost. 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 Yeah. I, I, th- I think we're going to be stacking other lines 110%. Um, I think I think another but, fun one that is more towards your mid-price madness sort of pick and you could probably get one in for the year, starting at – Projected to be started at three hundred eighty-two thousand. It'll depend on their early run of fixtures, but Nick Larkey could be a fun Ooh. roller coaster um, next <laughs> year. And I have a feeling he may even make a push towards a, a Coleman Medal next year because um, his back year. end of the year was actually really good. Yeah, you know what the shit thing about Nick Larkey is he plays for North. He can't play against North one to two times because he plays for them. <laughs> Still gets to play against West Coast, though. That is true. That is true. I have some fun ones for you guys. Now, two are purple blokes. So, Damo, you'll probably know if they're going to get this or not. But I was looking at the stats, and these two blokes should just scrape forward status. If not, one of them will just get mid status. So, the first one is Fife is Life, Nat Fife. Oh, no, Dano. I knew that no. you would not like this, but, but even I don't but, like that idea. <laughs> 
price of two seventy nine k. No, just no. No, no. Coach has openly come out and said Fife is not ever playing up the forward line again, and it failed. And he will be starting twenty twenty four in the midfield because they need their prime movers back in there to make a push for finals. So he'll play Word twelve games all year. He now Pato. He doesn't have to play the whole season. This is what I'm getting at. He's priced at two seventy nine k most likely. So he's going to be in the realms of like the. He's cheaper than what Hopper will be or would have been this year. But next year, all he has to do is play those twelve games, get his price up, then flick him on to someone who has been performing. That you're like, oh yeah, that is a primo. And who knows, he could come out and be like a Jack Zebel who you missed out on this year. Then ended up slutting it up until he went to puck and pass. So <laughs> Jack Zebel was be... terrible this year. No, he was not. He Remember was that big one seventy game. <laughs> Remember that big 170 game where you're like, fuck off. <laughs> I think Nat Fife could play 23 games next season as the sub. He won't be the sub. Gee, that'd be a pretty handy guy to come on as a sub. He already did this year. But no, I'm Nat Fife. And Fyfe, he looked good. He looked good as a sub. Yeah. Now, another one from the purple team, because I like to say the colours. <laughs> yes, Kelly Underwood. <laughs> he did play a fair bit ruck forward this year, and that's Lukey Jackson. Now, apparently he has played enough games up forward to be forward ruck eligible. And when you look at his last five-game average of 121.6, I know it was a lot of it was with, what, no Sean Darcy there at one point. But if Sean Darcy is traded, sorry, Damo, but if Sean Darcy is traded, then I'm jumping the fuck on. Oh, yeah. If Sean Darcy's traded, then Luke Jackson should be your F1. 100%. Yeah. And he should be priced at 539k with his average of 97.9. Thank you, Bryce Mitchell. Now, my last one. This is all because of the famous pie eater, Stewie Jew, playing him so much up forward that he should be forward eligible next year, and that is Sam Flanders. He should be priced at about 487k, and I reckon he will be the golden of 2024. He had an average of 88.4, and if Dimmer, it all depends on if Damien Hardwick goes out there and says, Sam Flanders, you are a midfielder, we will play you in the midfield. If he does that, like, oh, fuck, I can't even remember the fucking coach's name that took over from Jew. Stephen King. <laughs> oh, yeah, good author. Uh, <laughs> he he will kill it, and he will improve on the 88.4, 100%. So there's my three weird-flavoured forwards for you guys. See, I don't, I don't think Flanders will actually start as a forward next year because he did play a chunk in the midfield. What concerns me, though, is I don't think he makes the first midfield rotation group because you, you look at Raul, Anderson, and Miller. They're the three main guys, and I don't think it's particularly close either. I think they are undisputably their three best midfielders. I can see him absolutely getting midfield rotations, but it might be sort of 20 to 30%, and I'm not sure it's going to be enough. And... He may get a really attractive half-forward role, and, and half-forwards have done actually pretty good with for Dimmer. You think of a Kane Lambert in his heyday. Shane Edwards, um, when he was playing as a half-forward, has has been pretty good at Richmond under Dimmer, but not sure the midfield minutes are going to be there um, for Stupid Sexy Flanders. I reckon they will be. So my issue with Flanders isn't role or the coach or position. It's the fact that he's still out of contract. And up until Stuart Jew left, he hated it bit. He hated it up there. I don't know if six games in the midfield would have changed his mind all that much. So unless 
Dimmer Hardwick has somehow got into his ear and said, I want to play you in this position for this amount of time, there's every chance that Sam Flanders starts again at another club. And I don't want to pick him if he goes to another club. Not at 487k. So this, like I said, this is all dependent on Dimmer. So if he leaves, he's not under Dimmer. Yeah, I'm looking. I was just looking for those options, boys. Yeah, don't have to agree with them, but I reckon that they're all right. So we could do with some outside pace at Richmond. Oh fuck! <laughs> Fucking hell! Well, uh, hey, you never know. He could Seth Flanders can walk and Prestia can go straight in. Um, I would do that trade. <laughs> I know you fucking would. The, hu- the human meatball's looking a little bit mouldy, mate. <laughs> okay, so we got some listener questions, and because we ran out of time because we we're doing a fast-paced podcast last week, and Pado doesn't know what the fuck a clock is um, and a timer, we missed out on your questions. So we will quickly jump to them now. So Pado, we got one from Chris Walker Jones. It's more of a very long statement and then a question. So it goes, hey, Kings, sorry that the mighty ice swallow loads knocked you both out of the Supercoach 20-man league in back-to-back weeks. This would be more fun if I was even in the top half of the finals draw, but you take what you can. Oh, yeah, my question. Who are your top three never-again players that you refuse to pick up next year? Steele, Darcy, and Neil are mine. Feel like the cliff is coming real soon for those three. Going to miss you, lads, over the summer. Come back bigger and better next season. So who are your three never-again players? We'll start with you, Damo. Um, anyone that plays for St Kilda? Oof. Even Marshall. Even Marshall. Ooh. Um, I, I actually might pick Naziah, so, so there might be, like, some exceptions to the rule, but... I'm not going to pick Jack Sinclair. I, I'm not going to start him at least. And I need I need to see him stay in a position for more than three games. Um, I, I'm i not going to pick Jared Witts again. I've, st- I've started him two years in a row and each year I've had to flick him because he's broken down because he's too tall or something. Um, and Nat Fife. Oh, no. I'm not picking Nat Fife again. I think his... Super coach, I think his super coach relevance has gone. Pato, I I agree with Wits and and Fife. Um, I think they're absolute no goes. Um, an absolute no go for me is Patrick Cripps. Never again. Um, great player when he's going, but I I just think that the body is just not what it sh- needs to be. Bailey Dale. I don't care how good he looks in preseason or how good the role is for a month. It's it's Bevo. Um, Bevo just destroys Supercoach unless your name's Marcus Pontepelli or Tim English. So Bailey Dale is an absolute no-go for me. As for a third, I probably would have mentioned Wits in there and Damo sort of stole my thunder. Maybe I'll give another one. Ben Keys. I actually brought him in off the back of what looked like a pretty solid midfield role, um, and it was great for a month. Um, but then the forward line role sort of came, and like he had a thirty-six against Sydney in round twenty-three, and that's just ain't going to cut the mustard. So I'm just going to not fuck around with those not primos next year, um, and not just get enamoured with a month of form um, and just back in the proven guys a bit more. Yep, yep. So, ooh, never again, never again. I think my never again Canilio? player 
Josh Kelly. Oh, no, God no. They're they're beautiful, beautiful men. What are you on about? <laughs> they're playing finals um, in Richmond, aren't so fuck yeah, they are. Fuck you, Carlton. Um oh, it's actually I should really say Fife after what I did this year. But no, I love Fife. Yeah, you too should. Much. You should go I to know. Fife for Holics you know, Moments. You know you know <laughs> you know who I feel like I should say no to? Campbell Chesser. Fuck that guy. <laughs> Damo will agree with you on that one. Fuck that guy. Fucking such a high draft pick. So, like, he even got a discount, and I see why, because he was shit. Um, Imagine if he turns into a primo in five years. He probably will. Let's be real. He probably will. (laughs) Do you know what was the strangest thing about his selection in that draft? The Eagles traded up for him and claimed that that it was his form in as an underager that like what made them not want to miss out on him but he missed so much footy as, as an underager what footy did they yeah. watch I, yeah, reckon, I reckon they drafted him and then was like oh wait no we meant this other bloke <laughs> yeah there's probably some guy called chestnut or some shit i don't know uh, <laughs> wrong campbell. <laughs> yeah wrong campbell um oh fuck you know oh shit st kilda pato St Kilda. Can we say Charlie Constable? Um, imagine if Dimmer comes out and just puts him in the back line and he just sluts it. Imagine if Dimmer comes out and he puts him in the midfield and he sluts it. Just imagine if he sluts it. Imagine. In the VFL. <laughs> Jack Vitell for me. Oh, no. Jack Vitell. I'm looking at my finishing squad with both of those guys <laughs> on my bench. Fuck that. With guy. Harry Sharp and Nick Dacos. Oh. And Harry Arnold, who I was sure was going to get games in that midget defense of Sydney and didn't. Anyway. You know, oh, actually, there's one more guy, and he'll probably play next year now. Will Gould. Every year, we are sucked into Will Gould. And after watching him play, I don't see it. And even if he's rookie priced, do we pick him? I think he'll be on the higher end of the rookie prices, but... He could be next year's Dylan Buckley. You mean Jack Buckley. So you don't even know his fucking name. Dylan man. Buckley got delisted a long time ago from Carlton. Yes, I'm definitely Correct. thinking of the wrong Buckley there. <laughs> Correct. Jack Buckley was my one that got away where I pumped him up all preseason. It could and be Will next year. Could be. Could be. But yeah, I'm just naming rookies now. Just rookies are burned. <laughs> Bodie Yuland. <laughs> 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 Let's just rattle off those guys. Fuck them. Oh, Jesus. We haven't got a question from Scobie, Pato. No, feel a bit naked without a question from Scobie. I know. I'm gonna, I've sent him out a message to see if he can send us one of his classic questions. We'll move on, but if we get one from him. celebrating finishing first. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, finals predictions then, boys. Finals predictions. What, what do we got? Do we go through the games now and just pick them and why we're picking those teams? We'll do that. So we've got Thursday, Thursday night, 7.20 p.m. Collingwood versus Melbourne at the MCG. Damo, who you got and why? I I think Melbourne. Hmm. And I don't – like the games will be close because they're finals, but I think that Melbourne having the shorter break will be able to rebound quicker from what they did in Sydney. And I think against Sydney they sort of had a better primer – 
for, for this final series. Whereas Collingwood, we weren't really sure of them in the, those last few weeks with all those injuries and they lost to Hawthorne. Um, they didn't look great against a, a lot of other teams that they played late in the season. Against Essendon, was that really the tune-up that, 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 that they needed? I don't think it's what they wanted. So I think Melbourne has a, the better form and um, looks like they will have pretty much a full squad to pick from as well for that, um, for that game. Didn't it come out that Melksham and Fritch are both under a cloud? Uh, Fritz should be okay. Melksham's done his ACL, but I, I think he's pretty replaceable. Hang on, hang on. With the Melksham one, wasn't it whenever Melksham at one stage played, they, they lost? Had I? And then Stephen May was giving him shit? Definitely not the case anymore. He was um, almost their most important player on in their win on the weekend. Interesting. But, yeah, I'm, I'm going Melbourne as well. And for the same reasons, like... As a Giants fan, watching the Giants decimate the fucking Bombers, it it's not a good, it's not a good run into finals. You need you need that hard game against a finals contender or something like that. And Collingwood haven't really had it, um, and Melbourne have all the pieces, and they've done it before. And I think that yeah, they'll get over the top of Collingwood just for that. And Maxi Gorn will absolutely destroy. I can see it happening now. Yeah, I think especially with no day cost, I think well they'll have a day cost, but not disco day cost. I think Melbourne mm. get up as well. Their midfield is just going to be far too strong. Jack Viney has gone to another level again since going in the guts, and obviously Oliver's back after a couple of weeks, and and Petrarca just doing Petrarca things. I think they're going to be too strong for for Collingwood. I'm still adamant Petrarca is going to be the one that gets the Brownlow. I don't care what anyone says. I hope everyone's focusing on the bond. Everyone's focusing on the bond, and I just think Petrarca is having such an underrated season, and he will be getting a lot of twos and threes, a lot. He will. Yeah. Oh, Friday night, we have Carlton versus Sydney at the MCG again. Um, Damo, who you got? Ooh. Mm. I think if Carlton could choose their opponent, they wouldn't want it to be Sydney, but I think I think Carlton win. And I'm not saying that with any confidence or any reason. I just think at the MCG, Carlton, because of Charlie Kerno. Yeah. Paddo? Yeah, I agree. Carlton's forward line, I think, are going to be too good for for Sydney's short uh, lineup there. I think, um, yeah, especially down in Melbourne as well. I think Carlton get the job done here. I'm going to say Carlton because I think Sydney is shit and they don't even belong in the eight. And I said that at the start of the season, didn't I, Pato? And guess who's the basically the reason why they're in the eight? Because the Giants decided to sleep against them. No, VAR is a reason they're in. That too. But yeah, I... Well, sorry, the arc. Fuck, VAR is... Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm, I just don't reckon that they are a finals team. And I've said that the whole time. I said that they were the worst top four team... Or sorry, they're the worst grand finalists that I've seen um, since... I'm sorry, your boys way back when when they made that grand final. The Giants uh, in 2019. Oh, that too. Yeah, we were fucking shit then too. Yeah, and and us. We should never have made that grand final, let's be real. <laughs> Robbed us but, yeah, of a classic I, Richmond versus Collingwood matchup. Soz bro. Soz and bro. Nathan Buckley would still be the coach. Ew. You've yeah, I just think. In many ways, I just think, you know. I just, <laughs> I just think Sydney are terrible. 
Um, Saturday, St Kilda versus my Giants at the MCG. Fucking so many MCG games. I thought it was at Marvel. Yeah, where are we? I think the Giants. Reason? I think the Giants play the MCG better than St Kilda do. Fair. Pardo? Do they actually play the the G that well? They pushed Collingwood early in the middle of the year. Yeah. Yeah, true. That's when that's when we weren't even firing properly. My, my I want I like the Giants. I want them to win. I think the Saints will though. Ew, fuck you, Pato. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I it's not bias here. I genuinely think that the Giants will beat St Kilda at the G. And I think the Giants and Carlton are legit two teams that could easily be in the top four right now and aren't. And it feels like the top six is anyone's game for a flag in my mind. So that's why I'm going with the Giants. Uh, Last game, Brisbane versus Port at the Gabba. Fuck, this one's actually a tough one. Damo. Is it? I think it is. I don't think it is. I think Brisbane will win this one easily. They haven't lost a game at the Gabba all year and then get Port Adelaide, who thumped them in round one. Revenge and send them on their way. I mean, the, it's only a qualifying final, so they'll play whoever wins one of the elimination finals, but that's not the point. I think Brisbane, this is the perfect time for Brisbane to enact their revenge. Pardon? I agree. Brisbane are, are far too good at the Gabba, and I think that's the best home ground advantage in, in the comp this year, and Brisbane get it done. I mean, I don't think it would be a smashing, but I think it would be fairly comfortable. Haven't they got a shit house record in qualifying finals? Away from Brisbane, yeah. No, one one of those years they were in the bubble as well. Yeah, that was when we beat them. Exactly. They don't have a good record in qualifying finals. Yeah, but that was I don't think I, I don't <laughs> that was dusty fuck. <laughs> um I'm I'm gonna go different and go Port Adelaide with this one. I reckon people are forgetting how good Port were during the year. They've had a slight lull, but didn't they win like twelve or thirteen in a row or some shit? 13. Like, you can't ignore that. And I don't think they got many injuries. I think I think Brisbane can get the yips a bit too much, um, especially Joe Danaher. If he freaking misses from 10 metres out, then he's shot for the rest of the game. Like, that come on, so man. That bad. And that, and, but that, that is Brisbane. They're either on or they're not. And I think that Port will be on. And I think Brisbane will get nervous and Fagan will be under fire again for not being able to win a qualifying final or whatever. That's that's just me though, boys. That's just me. See how it plays out. <laughs> that's the only way we'll know. Oh, pretty good finals predictions, I reckon, guys. That was that was pretty good. So, Damo, we got you on here, and we want to know what you and Clarky are doing next year because you've left Jock Reynolds. That's gone, and you're off to new seek new horizons. What do you got planned? So at Jock Reynolds, Clarky and I hosted the Jock Mailbag podcast. And even though Jock Reynolds is no more, the mailbag will continue. So the footy mailbag will launch probably about the same time the team picker launches if we can get our schedules lined up together, um, me and Clarky. So that'll be something to look out for. And um, me, myself personally, I will also be doing a video diary of my Supercoach season next year on uh, YouTube. Yeah, nice. Nice. Um, looking forward to all that stuff too, Damo, because, yeah, even though Jock Reynolds is no more, 
the quality content will still be coming. So, and I know Pado, Pado avidly listens to so many more podcasts than what I do. I don't know how that man finds time. How do you find time, Pado? Do you even work? I, I do, and I drive a fair distance to work. So I sort of spend close to an hour and a half in the car every day to and from work. So there's lots of time for podcasts there, and it, it's borderline obsession, really. Um, it's probably a bit unhealthy, but I, I love it, and I consume a lot of content. And, um, yeah, Jock Reynolds has been an amazing platform for, for so many years. I, I want to know what the crouching one's doing these days. Uh, he's probably running down um, St. Kilda Road naked with a rum can in his left hand. Reminiscing on the good old Richmond days. That's him. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, but no, thank you for everything you've done at Jock Reynolds, Dana. Uh, sorry, Damo. Oh, <laughs> took this long to make that, <laughs> that mistake, so I'm proud of myself for that one. Um, and obviously everyone behind that team, it's a, it's a big team and you guys have been so incredible for so many years. And I, I look forward to following yours and Clarkie's adventures next year. Um, and, yeah, all the best with it. Yeah, thanks. I mean, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be um, it's going to be an interesting exercise to undertake it all by myself because I don't think I fully understood how much um, Lekdog did behind the scenes, but it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun to do it all myself and do it my way. And, Damo, you are more than welcome to guest host this show whenever you fucking want because it has been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Dano. Sounds like he's going to have a lot on his plate next year, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But he, he might want to just kick back, relax, open up a tinny and swear a little bit. So <laughs> that's what we're known for, apparently, just swearing up a fucking storm and calling uh, people out by nicknames that they probably shouldn't be called. <laughs> like he who shall not be named, who made the... Freaking 44-man All-Australian team. Pato, over to you. Fuck us. Oh, Jesus Christ. Actually, quickly, while we're on that, 44-man All-Australian team, any snubs that you notice or any players that you're like, what the fuck? I want to say Taranto. And I'm going to sound yeah. like a Richmond Nuffy, but I, I, I think I didn't think he would be good enough for the 22 because there were some midfielders that had some pretty ridiculous years over the a, a bigger sample size of games than, than Taranto did. But to not make the 44 was strange to me. Yeah. Patrick Cripps in there makes no sense to me whatsoever. He was just picked on name alone, in my opinion. I'm surprised no Josh Dunkley, considering all the fanfare that there was throughout the season of how good he has been for that Brisbane midfield. I'm very surprised to not see him nominated. Mm. I feel like he had a better yeah. year than Neil, and Neil made the squad. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm still salty about Sam Taylor, but I know he needed to play 16 games, and if he played the last round, he was basically in. But shit times. And costumes um, Walker or Coleman. <laughs> actually, yeah, true, true. I think Kerno still would have kicked a couple anyway. So, yeah, did he only kick two? Correct. <laughs> I'm a bit surprised Oscar Allen's actually in there. No, I mean no. he had an, he had an okay year. year. Yeah, but is it all Australian worthy? He won't in, be an all Australian. In a dark year for West Coast, he was probably the one positive out of that entire out of that entire season. Him returning from injury and changing the way that forward line looked, he he is well deserving of a nomination. And no surprises that he was nominated, especially considering Matthew Pavlich and Glenn Jakovic were on the selection panel. Yeah, yeah, fair. I. St- 
still feel like Nick Martin not making the 44 squad for me is a bit off. Wait, did he not no, make no, the either. squad? No, he didn't. Kyle you know Langford. Did? Mason Redmond. Yeah, Mason Redmond, Zach Merritt, Kyle Langford made the squad for Essendon. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, he was the second best winger all year. Correct. Yeah, I, I don't understand that. And who who looks really out of place on this list? Fucking Jack Viney. You used to seeing Clayton Oliver's mug there next to Petrarca. <laughs> oh, what? Oliver didn't make it. No, nah, Jack Viney made it over Clayton Oliver. Did Oliver miss too much footy? Um, no, he would have played the 16 game, surely. No, 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 no way. He got injured in round, like, what, 11 or 12 and didn't come back until, like, round 20. Hang on, surely. The one week. But how many articles did we see about Grian Myers is surely All-Australian? How how good is he with his score assists? With There's never been this many in this many years. He's going to be All-Australian, All-Australian, not even in the squad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he broke the AFL record, the VFL-AFL record since they started tallying goal assists. And he beat it with like three rounds to go. And not even nominated. Not even nominated. I like the commentary, though, for the Cats versus Bulldogs when they turned around and said, geez, Grian, you might want to start kicking him yourself. <laughs> but in saying that, fun fact for you, Damo, every time I have watched a Geelong game, Grian Myers has kicked at least one goal. I don't watch him that much, but ever since his debut, it has happened. So every time I watch a Geelong game, I put Grian Myers, at least one goal, anytime goal scorer, in my multi-bet. Gamble responsibly. Gamble fucking responsibly. Um, So, Damo, we sign off um, probably around this point, and what we're going to do, we usually say our names. So I usually say Dano, and then Pato says, I'm Pato. Do you want to say, I'm Damo, after he says, I'm Pato? And then we'll do our proper sign-off. Yeah. You want to join in? Yeah, why not? All right, cool. Uh, but first, what's your – do we say Twitter handle or do we say X handle? What the fuck do you call it now? We've said Twitter handle all year. Yeah, we'll stick to Twitter handle. Twitter X. Damo, what's your Twitter X handle? At Damo SC. All right. Pato, what's yours? At P-A-T-T-O-S-Triple-C. And mine is at D-A-N-E-O-S-Triple-C. So from us – at the Supercoach Co-Captains, I'm Dano. And I'm Pato. And I'm Damo. And this is us signing... The fuck off.